Welcome, thinkers, to Season 4, Episode 16 of Thinking Critically. Once again, no new updates this week. I continue to stream, mainly some video games at the moment, some Steel Rising. Catch me on twitch.tv slash thinkingcritically. Otherwise, we still have one more episode left before the end of the year. So, hope you have a great December, and I'll see you on Christmas Eve Eve. But, let's get on with the show. And today I'm joined by Jack Wayhill of Dice Average RPG. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Jack. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'll say I am um, a designer and editor and publisher for tabletop role-playing game content, mostly for 5th edition. I work out of the DMs Guild. I've edited a few bigger projects and have released a fair amount of stuff myself. At the moment, I am currently working, or I've just released uh, a couple of books namely uh, De Avenir's Pocketbook to Ravenloft as a big book of uh, Ravenloft domains, like an expansion to Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Um, it's published by CZRPG, who I've worked with for a really long time. And I also put out Gollum as a book of uh, new construct creatures as well, as sort of a part of a wider project to just uh, sort of revamp a bunch of the different creature types, which I've been toying around with for the past few months. Awesome. And of course, we're doing your, your well, actually, what, what, how far through are you in your, your spell book at the moment? Uh, so my spell book, for those who don't know, is a, a daily rating of all of the spells in D&D 5e, sort of going through them alphabetically. I am currently midway through E. <laughs> I am at 130-something. I'm not sure. I have written up to... 136. Uh, 135 was put out today. I'm, I'm up to tomorrow's once. I'll be writing some more tomorrow. Awesome. Well, yeah, a, a lot then to go off of. And, and the reason I bring up your spellbook is, of course, because today's topic is spells. So what does that mean to you in the D&D and wider TTRPG framework? One, one of my first things on the guild was releasing a book of spells. And it was it was one of the bigger things I, I I did early on. It was it was sort of this a compilation of a lot of the stuff I'd made really, really early on. Uh, I then went back and like upgraded it a bit because uh, the it was a lot of it was I made very early on and it kind of sucked. <laughs> but um I'm I'm a big fan of the way spells work in 5e. It's especially like they bring a lot to the table. Then they are probably my favorite thing to design. And I, I have made an, an ungodly amount of them. <laughs> like the, the ones I've published on the guild is in the 300s range. The ones wow. I've made personally is well over 500, I think, uh, of just like revamping spells that exist in the game already. It's, I, I've, I've made it my personal vendetta to, vendetta, my personal mission to make <laughs> the, um, the list of spells in my home game as, comedically large as possible uh, which it already is but yeah. it's not going to stop me <laughs> yes yeah, so the um going through and le learning about spells i haven't really thought about mm -hmm. seeing new spells come out and going oh cool this spell's actually really interesting or going this spell's a pack of wank it's terrible <laughs> is um it, it's it's a really fun process of sort of yeah. having that kind of like so, sort of a top-down Mm -hmm. view of um of the way the spells work and uh so sort of how how effective they are in your average game and in games where people play a lot more rules as written mm -hmm. uh, which is like how i quite like to play the game is you know not mm -hmm. to the letter technically you can stabilize creatures through time and space because there's no stipulation on range mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah but like within the spirit of you know reasonability running the game rules as yeah. written um, is is how how I quite enjoy it, and sort of the the kind of the strategy of like exactly what is strong and what very specifically isn't in different ways. I I've always found really interesting. Mm -hmm. There's a lot there's a lot of spells that in a vacuum seem really really strong. Yeah. But if you depending on how you play the game and how your DM runs the game, makes them 
wildly all over the place. Like there are there are some spells where DMs can sort of run them wrong in in some way, and it makes them absurd. Yeah, and uh, a, a lot of like um, area of effect spells where you put them down. Oh, it's um, enters the area for the first time on a turn oh, or God. starts its turn there. Yes, I use Moonbeam as my paladin, and every time I'm like, okay, so I've done it now, but actually nothing happens for maybe half an hour, like <laughs> in real yeah. time. <laughs> So I, I used to run spells where it was like, well, they've entered the area because you've just made it for a really long time. And then it became very apparent, like after probably about two or three years of running spells like that, that it made certain spells horrendously overpowered. Mm. And, and then there's other spells like it where creatures have to end their turn in the area, which yeah. under all circumstances are awful. Yep. Like incendiary cloud, eighth level spell, huge damage, massive area, heavily obscured area, really strong. Only does damage to creatures that end their turn in the area. Therefore, it is terrible. It's a terrible spell. Because <laughs> what creature of their right mind is going to choose to walk into this? <laughs> yeah, or, or creatures that, you know, you drop it on top of them. I think they take the damage on cast, which is not bad, but okay. they can just walk out of it. Like, yep. Why would they not? Mm. Even if, because when I was looking into Moonbeam and, and good ways to, you know, effective ways to apply that, it was like, oh, this is a good area of you know area denial. Like you put it in a choke point, everybody has to walk through it. They get mm. busted by it. So say there's a corridor that's five foot wide and very long. You put it at, in the middle. Every creature that walks through triggers it because it's when they enter. But for that incendiary cloud, they could just run through it and not take the damage, right? Even if it's thirty yeah. foot, they could just dash outside, inside, outside, and take no damage, right? If I yeah. understand, yeah. Like, it, it, like there are instances where it can do that, where it like burns their turn, like they have to dash through, which is Indeed, pretty powerful. Yeah. But for an eighth level slot, it's not. That you you can you can cast. Um, oh, what what is the spell? Uh, Hunger of Adar, which mm. is the same kind of thing, but it is a heavy. It, it is a uh, difficult terrain. Um, it has magical darkness and worded in the worst way possible, but it is technically magical darkness. <laughs> like so, creatures moving through the area, they mm. basically have to spend their whole turn to dash through, maybe yeah. more. Um, so hung- hunger of Hadar is not too bad, but like incendiary cloud, I think is probably the biggest one where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is just a bad spell. Yeah, for an eighth level, I agree. We've talked so much already, and I think it's a really interesting way to. It's a really good lens to look at. D&D and 5e and the rules and kind of the design intent through the spells mm. like the way what they're trying to achieve or where that where where they're thinking about things and where you know it's, it feels like they've tried to experiment with something and it hasn't quite worked but it's just like a vestigial spell that's been left in just for mm. historical purposes it's very interesting to view D&D through the lens of the spells and that's one of the things your spellbook series of tweets is I find interesting reading because I'm like I never thought of it that way or oh yeah i guess you could use the spell in that application and it just can completely change you know once you've taken a really good look at the spell because frankly like dnd beyond does help looking at you know when you get given a class that can cast spells it mm. will filter it down and say here's the 10 you can pick and you can quite quickly click on one but when i was making my first characters way back when with the books man i'm not it's like a zillion spells and I'm not reading every single one and trying to, that was just going to take hours and hours and hours yeah. and for it to be potentially garbage. Like that's just such a waste of <laughs> a yeah. waste of time. But that though, that trap still exists. I have lost count the amount of times my players have all new, mainly all new apart from two have picked a spell and gone. Wow. This sounds cool. Let me use it. And I've gone, Oh, actually have you read that one? Do you want to have another little quick read for me? And then we'll sit there and go, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait. So I have to be underwater for sake of argument. And I've gone, yeah. And I've gone, well, cool. That's just a wasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my, my attitude has always been like, if, if, if a player is about to stumble into a trap, like usually, you know, I'm, I will ask players when they're leveling up, like, oh, what are you picking for the exact purpose of like, oh, I want to pick this. So I can go, okay, maybe think about this before you, you know? Yeah. Because, one one big thing I've I've really kind of noticed about Five E more so than any other like game or piece of media I've really engaged with is you you can't think about it like gameplay wise in the same way you would something like World of Warcraft or mm-hmm. really just any other game like or any like like a, like an MMO is or a MOBA or something is probably the best yeah. example uh, and the be- the best comparison I can think of is in an RPG or an MMO or something like that, the best thing you can be doing all the time 
uh, when you are playing a healer is to constantly heal people who are damaged. You just, oh, you're missing health? Okay, here you go, here's my healing spell. Because that mana or or whatever resource it is that you use generally comes back, usually very quickly. Mm -hmm. 5e does not work that way. (laughs) And the healing spells that you have in MMOs and MOBAs and things like that are usually really good. Oh, here's a fifth of your health back. Here's 80% of your health back. Just one button, there you go. 5e, there is one spell that does that. It's heal. And heal's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, every other healing spell is, here's 10 hit points. Are, are you higher than level 2? Okay, right, that was negligible. Yeah, but I, I, I have actively wasted my turn and a spell slot healing you. Yeah. Like this, this, is a, this is a lesson, I guess, for, yeah. for, for people who may not already know this. I hammer on about this in my home game all the time. Of If they aren't unconscious, you do not cast the healing spell. Mm-hmm. Like, aura of vitality, sure, fine. Uh, healing spirit yeah okay can't hurt but if you're casting healing word or cure wounds on someone who has more than zero hit points (laughs) you have officially wasted your spell slot yeah unless you are first level and even then you have so few spell slots it's probably still a waste yep and the enemies are so low that a a first level spell will probably finish one off anyway and of course having no enemies on the board is the best way to not lose health (laughs) yes but yeah, obviously, that's a very good example of what I was trying to talk about earlier on in that it's a way to view the design of the game and healing spells mm. is a very, very, very good example of that. I've seen, I've been disappointed myself. I've seen the disappointment in other people where they go, huh, check this, this level four cure wounds. I'm going to heal our tank right up. Clack, clack, clack. That'd be 12. And it's like, oh, the barbarian's got 150 HP. So cool. And an effective 300 with raging. So yeah. 12 is... I guess effective 24, but still, like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, again, that, that brings you into that discussion of the potential drawbacks of the rule set in terms of yo-yoing and up and down, up and down. I've talked about it on the health episode before where it's that yo-yo effect of he's down, he's up, he's down, he's up. And now I've finally sat down to think about it. It is a really weird way of viewing health I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft and thankfully kicked that habit many, many years ago. But for a brief spell, I was I was a healer in, a healing paladin. And it is like like you said, as soon as you're out of combat, mana's back. Like it just starts regening at like 500% rate. Mm. Or you just use some weird ability that you've got and ooh, it's all back again. And yeah, you're just blasting like AoE cone of healing that's just like douche, 80% health across the board. Fine. Oh, instant heal to full yep fine that 10 minutes and i'll get that back no problem so the way you approach the idea of health as a resource is very different mm. i think it's we i can talk until the cows come home about the differences between video games and tabletop rpgs but that's one of them that i think is often overlooked or at least we haven't talked about in detail on the show before where it is that that resource management and not just like oh it's an interesting decision do i spend x or do i spend y to save z it's no, health is this very weird thing that you don't know <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it is. And a similar thing, again, regular listeners of the show when I'm an avid Gloomhaven player, which is a board game, mm. tactical, hex-based, fighting, elements of random, but very gritty and crunchy mechanics. Throwback to earlier seasons there. And um, that H- HP and that is not health. It is it's going to sound very weird, but like it's not. Again, healing is a lossy, is a lossy process for most of the characters and most of the classes because HP isn't this thing to be like, oh, I'm now weaker. It's just a. I'm not explaining it very well, but those who play will know that it is just another resource to spend because you can you can lose cards to just completely mitigate damage. So then it's like, again, it, your cards are your health rather than mm. your actual HP. Your HP is just like a shield. Yeah, and it's your cards that are more important because when you run out of cards, you definitely can't play anymore. Your health is just like this weird little shield buffer in front of your actual health, which is the cards you hold in your hand. And I feel like that is probably a weirdly similar to <laughs> to health in and healing in in D anD D more so than obviously World of Warcraft. Mm. I've I've always kind of considered like I know I was sort of stepping away from spells a little bit, but like when when I think of health in D anD D, it's sort of that 
especially a lot of like older players who are like oh you regain one hit point every long rest uh, mm. back in my day like, i've encountered a few people like that some of them are very friendly and they're just like oh this is how the game was played and some of them aren't mm-hmm. that's just kind of yeah. people are like that but and they sort of have a negative opinion of, of fifth edition and all newer editions especially because you get all your health back on the long mm. rest uh, and and to to a lot of people now to think about like getting one one hit point every every long rest or every or one hit point every week i i if i if i remember correctly it was earlier that my mum you know the, don't don't quote me on that but i'm fairly certain that was like something similar to that in like mm-hmm. really early editions where like campaigns would literally be campaigns they were you know like a war campaign would last mm. a year in universe maybe longer but you know they sort of scoff at 5e like oh you just take a nap and you're fine but it's the hit points become a lot more abstract. You know, when, yes. when when I think of hit points in Five E, it's like if you if you take damage, it's less I have been stabbed. It's more I have narrowly avoided turning a you know a minor surface injury into actually being stabbed in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you drop to zero, oh, I've actually been like seriously injured. <laughs> yeah, and th- and then the healing spells kind of make a bit more sense because they heal the serious injury and mm. leave the kind of surface level. Yeah. You know, so like flesh wound, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, especially at higher levels. So my guys are now level eleven, level twelve ish, and mm-hmm. building, engaging combat encounters is a story unto itself, and one I won't get into <laughs> today. But very tricky because they've got so many abilities. Their ACs are so high. Like actually doing damage to their HP is almost a rare occurrence nowadays. <laughs> and, and to challenge them, you need to throw bigger and bigger creatures at them. For those listening, don't at me. I know all the all the tricks and all the tips, you know, targets, objectives, dynamic encounters, dynamic environments, all that kind of stuff, you know, mobs of lower... Uh, do it all. Uh, and the last combat they had, a fire giant dreadnought show up. Oh, I love those things. It's kind of like the the boss of that particular encounter. Mm. Kind of like halfway through, it, was, it appeared through a fire portal and was like, I'm a walking shield. And just yeeted two huge rocks at the flying cleric. It's got like plus twelve to hit on these flying rocks, and it just did an insane like seventy nine damage between the two of them. Can't remember if that was a crit or not, but just a huge mm. amount of damage. Just like boom, and the cleric went from full HP, maybe even with temporary HP. I think because of his twilight, so we get some weird OP yep. okay. twilight aura thing. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was wondering why you, you you were having some problems with hitting players and damage. It's like, oh, there's a twilight cleric in your party. Okay, that explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair to that player, I, I sent him a meme that was like, players that play these kind of characters and he played like loads of them so i was like ah oh, from this meme i can guess what your next build will be and he's ah oh, all jokes aside if you want me to tone down my twilight cleric i can and i was like no no it's fine you can't tone down a twilight cleric it's just innately how twilight clerics are <laughs> it, it's not like hexadin or like you know like all the what hex play, hex played one dips and all that nonsense yeah. where it's like you have to consciously decide to do it the simple act of playing a twilight cleric <laughs> means that you have your character is fundamentally overpowered because Twilight <laughs> Cleric was designed by someone on drugs and playtested <laughs> by several more people who were all inexplicably also on drugs. The <laughs> same like goes for peace. Pie. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a wild pie that results in the ah. Uh, Ta- Tasha's is so great. All of the content is incredible, and there's yep. just Twilight and Peace domain just sort of being the worst designed piles of junk. Just slapped yeah. on top of them, like, oh, cool. Yes. Way to, way to tarnish the reputation. Of Otherwise, really <laughs> fantastic book. Yeah, that, so that, that is what, what, what he is. So he's, he's just flying around, huge aura of darkness. Everybody gets dark vision, yeah. uh, and everybody gets temporary hit points. So he's, he's sitting there, boom, goes down to like single digits. And that was just such a weird, completely like change the dynamic in one turn of a oh, fight yeah. and there was no and i'm still working out i mean they enjoyed it which i guess is the most important thing like that's fine mm. but i'm still trying to work out whether that should have been a bit slower than just like boom the cleric is now on like five hp and he's the only one that can revive and heal people so um but anyway we, we've digressed hugely into the hp specifically <laughs> yeah but, but 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 because it the spells took us on that discussion because it is oh, yeah. it is very interesting to be like because they are they as you said as you brought it up they are the trap spells some of them are more more so than others but a lot of them are like just don't bother <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is why i quite like that there's no 
obviously some classes are more skewed and some subclasses specifically are more skewed to like oh if you heal somebody they get the, the maximum number is that a druid subclass maybe that's a, a cleric subclass uh, it's a it's grave domain when they target uh, creatures on zero hit points which is which is actually a pretty cool ability because it, mm. it empowers the one type of healing that's actually good <laughs> um it's like oh my kill wounds is maximized at the time when i should be casting it anyway nice yes and, and that that's nice scaling as well because if you upcast that then that's a lot of maximum yeah, dice that actually makes upcasting the healing spells good as well which is yes. which is even 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 stranger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah at the end of that fight with the the dreadnought they won i think a couple of them were down and the cleric just did like mass oh, i forgot is it mass cure wounds or there's another one there's mass healing word and mass cure wounds are the ones that come was, to mind maybe it's mass healing word but then he also dropped like is it just like heal that is just like a flat eighty or something like that. Yeah, he heal is um is is a flat uh is a flat number. Yeah, I think it's seventy for a sixth level slot plus right. ten per level. I think. Hang on, yeah, I, have, so- I, have, I have I have an index on me right now. <laughs> it is seventy hit points. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well remembered. I was close. I'm happy with my eighty. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I say I I have I have a I have a the seventeenth level cleric in one of my games ah, as well. And ah, he heal is uh yeah we we have the barbarian who. Is the highest damage dealer in the party, but gets melted for most of his health every single turn. So this mm-hmm. this poor dude who came to play a cool forge cleric basically has to spend every turn casting heal on the barbarian <laughs> to stop him from dying. Yes, yeah, and that that funnily enough that was on my another one of my players who's hard to kill a eight blood hunter three barbarian multi class guy who is just an insanely complicated class of high AC and damage resistance and damage output. And he went down low, which he never likes because he didn't like losing HP. And then, yeah, the Twilight character was like, boom, there's your 60, uh, 70 HP. And his eyes lit up like it was Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm back up again. That's lovely. That's like, that's the biggest heal I've ever seen anyone do, I think were his words. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit more about these trap spells. I've mentioned them briefly on, on other uh, episodes. A few spring to mind when I was thinking about this earlier on. One is, was it True Strike? Is the classic? <laughs> is the is the archetypical? Ha ha! We got you. You've wasted a spell slot. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to reveal a, a secret to you. Oh. Is that I rate all my spells one to five. Yeah. Uh, obviously, one being terrible. You should never pick this. It's just bad. Five being this is fantastic. It's either broken or it's so good that if you have the opportunity to pick it, you, you probably should. It's really good. I've been saving zero specifically for True Strike. <laughs> it is the only the only spell in the game, I think, that has no use. Yeah. It is actively detrimental to cast and gives you nothing of use. Yeah. Like there are plenty of bad spells. Like I I like I I did um Elemental Bane. Oh yes, uh, yesterday. Yep. Um I think and that is just a bad spell. Like it is 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 a very bad spell. It, for mostly you spend a turn you have to concentrate they get a save against it anyway for an effect that's just a worse hex for for, mm-hmm. for a fourth level slot like it's just a terrible spell but at the very least it still does something yes <laughs> like um true strike you spend your turn you concentrate to gain advantage on a, an attack on your next turn so if you quicken <laughs> it like for the longest time i had like a sorcerer rogue in a game i used to run on a saturday uh and she quickened true strike because none, neither of us read it, that it said the first attack on your next turn. Oh, God. So you can't even... I, I, for <sighs> the longest time, I was like, no, True Strike's good, because you can quicken it as a rogue, and it's you know this very specific instance, it's actually... No, it doesn't work. <sighs> True Strike is, is just bad. It's mm-hmm. genuinely, like... It, it almost feels like it was a joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like 3.5 True Strike is plus 20 to hit on your next attack, which is actually cool. Damn. But in the context of 3.5, I think plus 20 to hit is not as crazy as it sounds. Oh, of course, yes, because they, they change the way, yeah, the scaling and yeah, stuff. Like yeah, like 3.5 and 5e are like weirdly parable, except in the grounds of specific like numbers, like mm. bonuses and ACs get into like the 40s in 3.5. I think the same for 4th edition as well, but otherwise mm. they're surprisingly parable. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time some poor bastard casts True Strike at their table, somebody at Wizards of the Coast just has a ah they just get a message that well some royalties ding on their phone their phone vibrates <laughs> another poor soul uh and that's it that's, yeah. that's, they, they, yeah. they put it in the game to to please some machiavellian entity that, <laughs> that, oh, that yeah. enjoys suffering 
So I'm, I'm trying to think of other like interesting. The, the, so, so there is there is a there is another one I thought of was yeah another one I thought of was I think I have used two strike. It is the classic like oh I've not had advantage before rolling two dice that sounds great fine I'll do it and then once you actually sit down and think about like opportunity cost and spell slots and stuff you're like oh yeah yeah that's the, the moment you spend two seconds thinking about it, you're like wait a minute. <laughs> This yeah. isn't doing anything at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one that I've read isn't isn't very good. Is the one that's like uh, Force Lightning? What is it? Which is Witch Bolt? That is like Witch Bolt. Yes, you can w- do w- like one d ten per turn or something like that. It's yeah. It is. It is one d. It is a, a, a ranged weapon attack. It does one d twelve lightning damage, and on your turn, you can spend an action to do another one d twelve damage. Yeah, I've taken. I've taken that. And yep. use that, and I didn't read it properly, and then got to my next turn, and was like, "Oh, it's an action to do the damage again." Oh, yeah. Spell also ends if you use your action to do anything else, <laughs> or if you're ever outside of the spell's thirty foot range. Yeah, don't don't want to play in this combat anymore. Just just do witch bolt, and then just turn your brain off because <laughs> that's the only thing yeah. you can do from now on. <laughs> do they save every turn, or is it a straight? Is it, is it at they, least... they don't get a save, but the damage is so negligible. Like, yes. who cares? Just cast. I don't know, Chaos Bolt or mm-hmm. Chromatic Orb or something, you will do more damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, those are the two. True Strike and Witch Bolt are the two that... Yeah. True Strike is the poster boy for bad spells, but Witch Bolt is a one that surprised me again because it's that... It's more hidden. Hidden? More hidden. Sounds better yeah. on paper, but I then... Think, like... Witch Bolt is definitely, from from my perspective, it's probably the number two of like... Yeah. Um, others... Other, I, like... There are a lot of like quite well-known ones that are just, you know like Crown of Madness is bad for basically the same reason Witch Bolt is you have to spend your turn to do something that isn't really mm. all that good except they also get a save as well. Oh, okay. Like um, Crown of Madness is is very very bad. Is that the one that's like you can control another creature? Is that yes? Yeah. So, but you lose your your own agency because you're having to control them anyway. So yeah. So uh, it charms them. The charmed creature must must use its action before moving on each of its turns to make oh. a melee attack against a creature other than itself that you mentally choose. Before moving? Yeah, so if there's no one near it, there's nothing you can do. And you have to spend your action every turn to maintain control over the target. And the target can make a wisdom save at the end of each of their turns to end the spell. God. So yeah, then, that, like, ugh. Bleh. So yeah, that's... <laughs> so firstly, net combatants stays the same. They lose yep. you, but they gain an enemy. So the, the, well, I guess kind of, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, ideally that's how it works. So I guess yes. technically the enemies lose one man power on their side. Fine, okay, maybe for, for a turn. If there's somebody close to them, they'll get an attack off. If not, you have to spend at least one of those turns moving them somewhere. So there's at least two turns lost yeah. if they're not adjacent to somebody already. And if they're not adjacent to someone, they just get to take their turn normally anyway. So indeed, yeah. <laughs> And so what you're effectively doing, because probably they'll start to be chances of breaking out by second, third turn is probably pretty high, depending on obviously other context. To that point, you've just, it's like a worse stun because you've just, you've had to take yourself and them out Mm. rather than just a stun, which a monk can do every melee hit. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. What other ones? I'm trying. I'm trying. It does. It does it, while while you're looking, I'll give you some time to look. It does. It does make you laugh, doesn't it? The I don't know what the. It, it feels deliberate at this point. Yeah. You know, it, it can't be a mistake. Those three we've mentioned, plus the healing ones being a bit janky. It it feels like they've been. Is it like intelligent? Otherwise, intelligent people have designed them because they've designed the other spells. So at some yeah. point, they must have gone. Okay, this is useless. Ship it. That's okay. Yeah. And, um, but why? 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 What is that? What is that? What? What are we missing? I feel like I'm missing something. There's a reason why that would do that. Is it like a? Is it a, like a a built-in teaching exercise to be like, haha, make sure you read the spells because you just wasted a spell slot. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think most of it is down to the content in the player's handbook because if if you really go back and look at like some of the other stuff in the player's handbook, most of it's bad. <laughs> Not specifically the spells, but like all of the class options, with some very specific exceptions, are just really terrible. Mm-hmm. Rogue has one mediocre subclass in Arcane Trickster. The mm-hmm. other two are just awful. Mm. Barbarian, if you're not Bear Totem Barbarian, 
they're both, you know, Berserker is bad. All the other totem options are not very good. Mm-hmm. Bard, uh, Valor is not great. Lore is all right. Cleric has exactly one good one, two mediocre ones, and all the other, like, seven are terrible. <laughs> um, T- Tempest is fantastic. It's actually really good. Light is okay. Life is also okay. All the others, off the top of my head, suck. Yeah. With the exception of, like, Wizard, which has Abjuration and Divination, which are probably the best subclasses in the player's Another handbook. Divination, divination yep. is like... D- d- div- divination is is the source of many of my bad beat DMing story, uh, hit like <laughs> like stories of Force Cage, um, Scatter, Portent. Sorry, you failed to save. You're inside the Force Cage now. Yeah. I mean, most of my bad bad beat DMing stories just involve the, the players casting the spell Force Cage. Right. <laughs> that's, that's that spell is a poison. We'll, we'll come back to that one in a second. So oh, let's yeah, talk about no, that one in I, a second. Things to say, about Force Cage. <laughs> Let me give you a platform. <laughs> What was it? What was the other wizard one? Sorry, divination and abjuration. abjuration. Abjuration isn't like absurd, but it's very, very good, and it's actually really fun. It allows you to, if you really sort of spec into it, you can not really tank, but you can be very, very difficult to to harm. In, awesome. Yeah, ab- abjuration wizard is is very good fun. Ooh, like, yeah, transmutation is okay. It's definitely the middle of the road one, but all of the others are mostly just kind of whatever, and unless you really metagame with Conjuration Wizard and Minor yeah. Conjuration, which is a, a special kind of, like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah, Abjuration at level 14 gets advantage on saving throws against spells and resistance against spells, which is just insane. <sighs> see, see, I, I, that's the, the, it's specifically spells. There are a lot yes. of monsters that do magical things. Oh, not yes. Spells. We li- I literally, I should know better. Tisk tisk, because we've literally just had this in one of the campaigns I'm playing in been fighting a lot of like illithids and mind flayers and stuff and they've got so much which i'm like because we've got me and a a bard both like sweating to do counter spell because my paladin took a one of the things that allows it to do counter spell and we're like is that spell is that spell uh it just says it like does the this thing no it's not a spell fine so yeah you're absolutely right on that one they they also have psionic spells, which mm-hmm. um, don't have somatical verbal components, so you can't see them casting the spell, and therefore you can't counterspell them either. Which wow. is uh, look at that little that, that little niche edge case there of the uh, the counterspell. Yeah. Yes, I'm trying to find like but yeah, like a, a lot of the really really bad spells, I think, are mostly down to the general low power content of the stuff in the player's handbook, mm-hmm. and because there are so many spells in the player's handbook, I, I think I think it is like. Given especially how small the D and D like rules team is, I, I know like the original designers for Fifth Edition, there was um, you know obviously there's 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 J Craw and then there's mm-hmm. the other guy, <laughs> and then to my understanding the rest of their team I'm I, I'm not sure how big they are but it, it's a very small team and being being able to get all of them to test the three hundred and something spells in the player's yeah. handbook and like for all of them to turn out good. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not at all surprised something like Crown of Madness or Witchbolt slipped through the cracks of like, yeah. especially because the game was so new and they're not like, uh, to my understanding, a lot of older editions of D and D don't quite have the sort of action economy. Th- I wouldn't say problem, but like aspect of the game quite as heavily as Fifth Edition mm-hmm, does. Mm-hmm, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't quote me on that because my experience with other editions of the game is limited, um, mm-hmm. and the general people people who go super hard on like learning exactly how to play these games to the letter is not anywhere near as big for any of the other editions either so that, that may that may be wrong but mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of uh things in older editions where spells are generally just way stronger yeah like like people people talk about the martial caster disparity in 5e and yeah. until the cows come home mm-hmm. whether they're right or not but you know that it's we we have it easy compared to um compared to three point five players where it's you know you you play into sort of later later levels in three point five just stop playing a fire like what are you doing <laughs> you know why why would you why would you stab a guy four times when you can turn said guy into a pile of mush or whatever yeah. it just it's turn fun. him inside out yeah yeah I, did, I saw it funny funny you should mention that I saw the meme today have you seen that invincible meme from the the TV show Invincible where the guy's punching him and he grabs the fist out of the air. And the first panel is casters, you know, outplay marshals at high levels. It's just absurd. And then the catch is like, but this campaign isn't getting past level 10. 
Uh, and I sent uh, that, that to my players good. and was like, yeah, leveling up's gonna slow. So you might want to um start thinking about tweet if you if you've got your heart set on a level twenty build, you might want to um Yeah <laughs> be settle in for a little while because that might not come. <laughs> I've played into sort of later tier four multiple times. Like, I've, you know, I have a game right now where the characters have just hit 17th level and the campaign is going to be ending quite soon. And I've played other games where they've got to 17th, 18th level. Only one campaign I've gone has gotten players to 20th level and mm-hmm. beyond. I had to like invent content of like, what does a level 21 rogue get? Uh, sure, this. <laughs> more sneak attack. When in doubt for rogues, just more. There, there, more. Was, there, was some, there was some crazy stuff in there. That a lot of things I ended up sort of homebrewing into the base game as well. Like, um, mm-hmm. Uh, rogues with the ability to take extra bonus actions by spending a resource is turns out just a really fun game mechanic i just slapped it into base rogue it's very fun but at that higher level spellcasters are just gods Mm. like even even in 5e it's it is just a case of like okay right turn one here here are the enemies here is my ninth level spell i cast media swarm they are all dead now yep Oh, I'm a sorcerer. I shall careful spell. So all my friends are fine and all my enemies are uh, glue. <laughs> yeah. And again, I feel for my players, again, we're digressing a little bit here, but I feel for my players when they, the, the newer ones, especially when they start hitting those levels and the Twilight Cleric is just insane. Yep. The Warlock is already insane glass cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Hexblade. So his yep. modifiers and to hits and damage for his Eldritch <sighs> yeah. uh, bolts are just like, Plus four, plus two, plus eight, a D seven. D seven dice doesn't even exist. That's how wild this. Yeah, <laughs> this you is. you add your charisma, hexblade's curse gives you proficiency bonus, and then yeah. you probably two other things, roll other pact keeper or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, that's a thirty to hit. Roll for damage. That's twenty five. And then I'm like, yep. oh god, that's at level eleven. So yeah, we'll see. Hexblade is most definitely the twilight and peace cleric of Xanathar's, where it is absurdly powerful compared to everything else well i've got both of my games that's cool um (laughs) i say that that plus 20 plus level game i was talking about basically the star of that game was uh was a was a hex fire who i didn't i didn't quite understand the power of eldritch smite until (laughs) i came in and my frost giant boss for these level seven characters yeah one shot just you know (laughs) strides on in critical hit 80 damage so that that character I think I actually tallied somewhere the highest damage she output in a single round was like 360-something. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that was uh, Eldritch Smite crit, plus at least one other crit, Action yeah. Surge, Great <sighs> Weapon Master, the whole the whole shebang, uh, or plus Spirit Shroud, that was an important one, oh. and Hexplate's Curse. Spirit Shroud is, a, is, is, is another one where it's... Uh, yeah. Spirit Shroud is bananas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've been going so long in this campaign now, I feel like I have to... They're they're hungry for it. I feel like at least the last battle, I'll be like, just sod it. Just let's just do it. Let's just go yeah. ape shit and just see who see how it goes out the window. See if Danlo the DM even survives this combat, because at the end I will just be <laughs> a yeah. puddle of mush on the floor. Nothing better than a good boss fight though. <laughs> We've talked obviously about the, the tricky trap spells, the ones that trick you into thinking they're good and then actually garbage. What ones are you aware of then that are like, well, let's keep it simple first. Which ones are just off the top of your head, like objectively just decent? As you said, your, your fours and your fives out of fives. And then we can talk about the ones that maybe on paper, the like complete opposite, maybe on paper seem underwhelming, but then actually in use, uh, surprisingly if effective. And if they're two of the same, if that Venn diagram is a complete circle, then so be it. I, no, I think I think there's you, I think there's sort of like a bread and butter of like these spells are fantastic. You should probably pick them if mm-hmm. you have the option to. I think the the obvious ones, healing word, um, just as mm. a general thing. If you have access to healing word, you take it. Just fly out, you take it. And as another thing, you don't need cure wounds and healing word. Healing word is objectively better in every conceivable way. There is no circumstance where cure wounds will matter more than healing word. You don't need to waste a prepared slot to take both. Just healing word, it's fine. If you're a wizard or any class that gets it, shield is mm. honestly like uh, there's it's. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but I know a lot of people who have sort of my kind of outlook or take on the game will say that shield is overpowered, mm. which I think is 
it really depends on how you play the game and what kind of character you build, but it definitely can be. You know, it's uh, very high levels. It's a permanent plus five AC, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it is it, you know, if you have access to it, you should probably pick it. And also, the only well, apart from magic items, the only spell to mitigate magic missile. I think the, there's there is shield and the brooch of shielding, which is yes, a pretty magic bad item. magic item. Otherwise, but also negates magic missile. Yeah, which is which is it never really comes up in my in my but i know magic missile is very good for concentration breaking because you know you you send nine missiles at a guy and they're probably yeah. going to fail one of those con saves yeah that's his job i'm gonna have to start for my well twilight cleric and the warlock always concentrating on something i'm just gonna have an armada of magic missile casters just yeah uh... <laughs> as, as long as their con bonus isn't so high that they make the save every time Warcaster for the warlock, unfortunately. However, he has been known. He has been known to fail. So. Yeah, no, that's saying that's yeah. Well, War, War, Warcaster obviously helps a lot, but when you're making so, that many saves, you probably yes. fail one of them. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, that shield is shield is handy. Is that do if do I remember correctly? If you do, you get to know the number that you're trying to. So say your AC is fifteen. Do you know? Yes, that they've yeah. It's, hit it's when an attack would hit you, so you you would you would hear the number and you're like, oh, that's a twenty. My AC seventeen. I know I can shield that. Okay, so that a good question then. So we're going to go into like DM agency in a way here. So should, in that situation, you said you'd hear the number, but I guess it's theoretical to say, well, the, the DM should know what your AC is and should just say, oh, this hits. Do you, a bit, it's a bit like, count. you know, when you try and count a spell a level higher, you don't know that it's a level six. So you've got to kind of take that educated guess of mm. like... I, I think I think with, 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 with counter spell, it's a bit more sort of like that it works in a very specific way but i think with with shield if you change it so that you don't tell them the number shield is just terrible mm. because it, it it's a trap like you 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 you're gambling a spell slot on something that probably won't help um which is is i i i i can't imagine well i can definitely imagine worse feelings as a player but like yes, suddenly yeah. from a player's perspective like that feels really bad. That feels like the DM is sort of holding their kind of position of power over information over you and like, mm-hmm. oh, your spell doesn't work because I didn't tell you the information that would otherwise have made your spell work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 like, I understand like the mentality of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't tell them, but it's like, I would much rather, like shield is still like a neat spell. I would yeah. much rather shield be a little stronger than it probably should be. I say a lot stronger than it probably should be <laughs> than just be terrible. Because I like shield, even if it is very, very powerful. Yeah. So I get. Yeah. So I've, I just brought it up, but it's just say yeah, including against the triggering attack, which you take when you hit. So technically, I guess depending on how you run the game, yeah, doesn't technically you yeah. don't need to know the number. But in nine times out of ten, does a seventeen hit? I mean, I do it. Yeah. Like I say like I think to my knowledge, it is rules as written that you that you are supposed to tell them the number, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Okay. But yeah, I, I, and also it's not just for that. So a lot of things in well Gloomhaven and also other features and stuff of D and D is like it's just against the just the one triggering thing on the next attack or on the mm. next time you're hit. But shield is good because it's until the start, start of, of your yeah. next turn, which is insane. Yeah. Obviously, if you time that like you've just had your turn, oh, I need to shield. That's a whole round's worth of combat of plus five AC for mm-hmm. a first level spell. Yeah, a high level shield is free. Like it's it is free plus five AC forever. Um, and in like you know the five minute adventuring day becomes the way you play the game in in you know obviously like you know people talk the five minute adventuring day is a bad way to design your games yada 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 but i can't think of anybody or a, any reasonable way to make tier three and four mm. not super annoying and sloggy and also not a five minute adventuring day at which yeah. point spells like shield healing words silvery barbs like low level, really spammable spells actually start to become a problem because they are just free. You say they're free because you have so many spell slots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, basically, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah or if you're a high level wizard, shield is literally free because you choose it as your signature spell. Uh, yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> and um, the the abjuration wizard does love a free shield and is, uh, is a good time. That'd be so good. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that they literally get free spells as well. Yeah. Wizards at higher levels. Is that every class or is it just abjuration subclasses? Um, it's it's uh, the wizard's 18th level feature. I think it's wow. uh, spell mastery, I think is the one. Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, I do remember seeing it. Uh, the first level and the second level. Man, that is wild. Speaking of, the second level spell that you pick is Misty Step. 
<laughs> oh god! Uh, you yeah. pick Shield and you pick Misty Step because Mis- Misty Step is uh, yeah. Misty Step isn't quite like Shield because you are casting a spell on your turn. Like the only mm. thing else you're going to do on that turn is cast a Cantrip. But yes, it is probably your best escape tool because it doesn't take your entire turn. You can yeah. teleport thirty feet out of danger. It's not universally useful, but it never hurts to have. You will be in situations where heal- where Misty Step saves your life, especially because it's verbal only. You can teleport out of grapples. You can teleport out of being restrained. You yeah. can teleport out of being surrounded by 19 guys who are going to stab you in the face. Like, yeah. it is... It's great. Yeah. Misty's better is great, yeah. Absolutely. Easy picks, shield, and, and reaction and bonus action as well. So you see your actions, apart from, obviously, being limited to cantrips when you do Misty Step. Yeah. That, like, you've still got all your action stuff ready to go, which is great. I wanted to jump in there with a quick question. Talking of Misty Step saving your life, this has come up way more times than I'd like, and I don't know if there is an answer, an official answer or not, but conservation of momentum when using spells that teleport you like Misty Step and Dimension Door and Plane Shift or the other one that transports you to planes. So I've had this mm. question so many times of like, I'm in free fall, I want to Misty Step a foot above the floor, completely horizontal, and then just drop mm. that last foot safely, or do you when you appear, do you still have that conservation of momentum at <laughs> terminal velocity? I don't think there's a rules-written answer to it. There <sighs> might be a sage advice on it. Mm. Crawford is is generally pretty good. I like not all of his sage advice answers are satisfactory. Sometimes he kind of talks in circles a little bit. Yeah, but gen- generally speaking, his takes are reasonable enough. Because mm. I've I've wanted to do that. I've had players who have gone, oh, that's fine. I'll just dimension door when I hit the bottom. And I'll just remove, and I'm like, ah, but Featherfall's meant to do that, and I feel like that's going to overlap. And now I'm like, has that just made Featherfall redundant? And ugh, it just gets around in that. Well, no, I'm teleporting. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't see a definitive answer. I I would generally rule that no, you don't maintain your momentum, but I I it, re- it really depends. Like, because you, you, in my angle is. It's always really obvious when players are trying to kind of finagle around the rules yeah. to get what they want. And usually my response to that is to say, you're trying to finagle around the rules to get what you want. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Because usually it specifically just doesn't work that way. And you, you know, you'd say yeah. no is entirely justified because that isn't how it works. But sometimes, some, certainly something like that, I would just say, no, no, you, you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, guess, I guess it's more like there's cool ways of doing it, like misty stepping, you know, jumping. 20 feet misty stepping up further to get further across like a wide yeah. gap that's cool whereas i want to use my teleportation spell to mitigate the falling damage i'd otherwise take right now is i, I guess with the way falling works you technically immediately fall 500 feet when you fall uh, until you hit a surface which is it makes it kind of hard to do but it, it's yeah it's 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 weird and finagly yes it is enough I've, I've been caught up that so many times of like well, you know, Misty Step, you just disappear and reappear, but Dimension Door, you're actually like going through a, like a portal portal. So like maybe that one you would conserve your momentum, but Misty Step, you don't. But then like, then you get into the real muddy waters of like, well, you've just decelerated a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm never a fan of like the, oh, heat metal makes the metal glow red hot. Technically, that makes the metal, that, that means that an iron... A uh, suit of armor is heated to this amount. This would melt human skin and bones immediately, causing yes. them to die. And I'm like, I mean, yes, technically, but that's just the flavor text. Flavor text does not influence mechanics at all. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got one player who's does both of those things. He will very much latch on to that that kind of stuff, like, but innocently, like, oh, is that not what happens? Is that not what they mean by the yeah. wording of this spell? And yeah. I have to be like, oh, well. <laughs> No, not in that instance. Two sentences later, that's the bit that really, really, really matters. That is just kind of like eh, just, just fluff, like you said. Mm. Uh, and then on the other hand, he'll, he'll, you know, misread stuff, misread the important couple of sentences. And then I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. Do you want to have another gander at that one? Because that's not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for you. There's, there's like a few things, especially in like fifth edition, that I know they're not going to do for for one D and D, but I would like them to do is keep flavor text. But relegate it to like italicized text mm. at the top of the spell. Yeah, it won't take up a huge amount of space, but will completely remove all of those con- those bits of confusion whilst keeping all of the cool flavor that the spells get to have. I mm-hmm. think fourth edition does something like it, but I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just, I want more tags. I, I I love tags. Like we have one spell tag. 
we need more. <laughs> 3.5 has a million of them. Like, you know, the spell doesn't need to do fire damage to be a fire spell. Like, mm. just give it the fire tag, and then I, you know, I can get bonuses to all of my fire tagged spells. Like, I want, I want that. That's that's mm. what I want. Quality of life. Yeah, like I have the smite tag in my home game to make all of the smite spells not terrible by <laughs> buffing them and then making most of them not concentration, and then yes. having the smite tag so that you can't stack them. Yeah, which has made smite spells go from just objectively worse than using divine smite to actually really good yeah i get that that is actually another classic for baby paladins to be like whoa branding smite whoa blinding smite whoa all the other kind of smites. Branding smite. Oh, let me let me stack out my spell book with all these things and then you're like yeah just do regular smites unless this thing's like exceptionally susceptible to whatever it is you're trying to do there, there are like like a couple of good smite spells. Um, Rat- Wrathful is quite good. Mm-hmm. So that one that makes people run away. Yeah, I'd say it's it's it, it is actually fear effect. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually very good. Um, what are the other smites? Oh, there's not as many as I thought. Staggering is okay. It's it's not fantastic, but it's not bad. Mm. Blinding is not great. Yeah, the, basically most of them are. <laughs> mediocre at best or yeah. just kind of worse than other options you've already got like why would i cast banishing smite when i can just cast a banishment mm. like banishment is just better you know like why would i hit a guy and maybe banish them when i can just cast banishment is already amazing <laughs> why would why would i cast a worse version of it that's a higher level yeah it's just yeah there's 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 this there's smite spells there's there's a lot of other ones that paladins don't get like ensnaring strike and hail of thorns and stuff I mean, Hail of Thorns kind of sucks, but Ensnaring Strike is okay. Um, I think there are some others, but those are the ones that come to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them suck, <laughs> which is a shame because they are cool. Yeah. And way more cool than Divine Smite can ever hope to be. Yeah. yeah I really for sure. don't like Divine Smite because it makes the already not very good Smite spells just like actively un- like uncastable because they're just objectively worse than mm-hmm. using Divine Smite in basically all circumstances. Yeah. And also. Having played a paladin, it, it removes the interesting choice a little bit because it's like, let me save or at least just keep all my spell slots for the odd crit here and there. Yep. Then dash on to my like. There's no interesting choice to make mm-hmm. in that situation. It's have I crit? Yes or no? Smite? Yes or no? Yes, you can smite when you don't crit, but like, it's just a bit like, fine. I've just kind of done a bit of a spell slot. So yeah, right. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't got to yet? Or we might have missed. I, th- I think I think I I we mentioned it before, but I definitely want to touch on some of the busted spells. Oh yeah, go on, um, please. Yeah, the the, the 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 kind of spells that are five out of tens, or maybe even like six out of tens. But I don't want to give them that honor because they they don't deserve it. They're objectively the best spells in the game, but they are anti fun for either the DM, the table, or both. Yep. I, I, like the ones I've already done in the spellbook are sort of the ones that are most fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at those first. But my my no, num, number one, probably probably the worst of all of them, even though I've never really had to tend with them because I literally removed them from my home game uh, because I hate them so much, <laughs> are all of the conjure spells. Most of them are garbage, but conjure animals and conjure, I believe, woodland beings. Oh, yeah. And no, no, we'll do conjure animals first because it's a third level spell. How about, uh, Mr. DM, I would like you please to procure uh, 16 raptor miniatures, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Ignore the fact that you can technically choose all the creatures. Please let me choose all the objectively best creatures. Um, You have this sort of push and pull where you have to either choose to let your player steamroll over your table with a spell that upends every part of your, your game and your combat and makes you have to run a bunch of monsters or make them bog down the table by running a bunch of their own monsters. Yeah. Because some players are, like, competent enough to, like, actually quickly, efficiently run 16 creatures simultaneously. Mm. They're few and far between, but they do exist. Most aren't. Like, most will bog down your table for five minutes making 16 individual raptor bite attacks and waste your life and your soul and of everybody else at the table whilst... Their characters do nothing because they're having to sort of sidle between nineteen, sixteen yeah. raptors. One round of combat has suddenly tripled in length, so people yep. are like, "Oh, I'll go and make my dinner then," because I'm not going to be seeing the table for <laughs> yeah. for an hour now. And the uh, the other thing on that is, if the DM runs it, 
DM rolling against DM is the most single most boring thing. NPCs yeah. rolling against NPCs, creatures rolling against other creatures. It's just like yeah. nobody. It's just when when, it, when it's in small doses, it's totally fine. But yeah, when there's sixteen raptors, the DM has to resolve. Not fun. Hitting sixteen creatures that the DM's also running for. It's just yep. like the DM whispering to themselves. Okay, 16, 24 hits that. That's three damage. Three damage and that. Four damage. Sixteen. Like, okay, cool. Do I care about any of that DM? Because <laughs> you're just doing maths now by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously, if you, the DM, take over and you choose the creatures, then mm. they're going to complain that you're screwing them over by choosing lower CR creatures yeah. or saying, no, you can't choose a 16 year. If, if they, you know, because certainly my thing is uh, I would tell my players, like, you can cast this spell before I got rid of them outright to replace with the summon spells from Tasha's, which are way cleaner and actually yes. really fun. Yeah. They're fantastic. Like, um, but the conjure spells, or, or, or I would say, you can summon one, you can summon two, maybe you can summon four. If you try to summon eight or 16, I'm going to give you eight or 16 CR zero creatures that run away immediately because you're not wasting my goddamn time. Like, you're just not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I said uh, conjure woodland beings is worse because you can summon, I can't remember specifically how many, but uh, enough pixies. Um, any amount of pixies is enough because the whole thing with pixies is they have like two hit points, yeah. but uh, they can cast fly and polymorph and dispel magic, namely polymorph, which is another like five out of ten amazing mm. bordering overpowered spell that is crazy. And you summon eight pixies, I think it is, and they cast polymorph on all of your allies and you're now all, uh, I don't know, some creature that is suitably powerful. And you get an extra forty hit points or whatever, yeah. and you—they're—they're they're, they're miserable, absolutely miserable spells to run at the table. They—they they are those two conjure spells in particular. I would encourage any DM to just say no to. Like they—they they are they are genuinely that bad. I think my druid had both of those and used both of those, and I had that discussion of. I've done some research. Technically, the DM picks the creatures, which was his first. Like, oh, well, that's not. As exciting anymore and i'm like yeah and also i don't really want that overhead of like you just springing that on me and then me going what kind of cr1 creatures would be in this environment that are roughly analogous to the kind of thing you want to do because i want to meet you halfway yeah. everybody take 15 minutes because we're gonna have to have i gotta get tokens or minis i gotta get the stat blocks and mm -hmm. like yeah it's just, i can't yeah great great on like from a video game like cool a bunch of summons that's just fun to have I've got, i wield an army of creatures it sounds fun but then as soon as you play it it's not fun for pretty much anyone <laughs> yeah it's you know there are there are definitely ways to use it responsibly and there are mm. ways you know there are a lot of advocates for conjure animals that will talk your ear off about like exactly how you run it to be super cool and and, and fun at your table but it just requires so much buy-in mm -hmm. that like it it should be an opt-in kind of situation, but it's not. It's a spell in the player's handbook that people are going to find and cast. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about your other... The other big one, you know, like talking about like ninth level spells kind of feels like a cop-out. Yes, yeah. having wish. Wish is every first to eighth level spell whenever you need it to be. Yes, that's broken. Like, yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't let your players just pick wish, but if you want to do it, fucking go for it. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. it, it is objectively the best spell in the game because it's every first to eighth level spell including all the broken ones mm. for free yeah. well not for free for a ninth level slot but even so like it's that flexibility um mm. but it's fun and can be used in a way that isn't super annoying so i you know i'm i'm i th I, th I don't think wish is fine but i think wish is acceptable to have at your table even if you <laughs> probably shouldn't let your players cast i wish for a hundred pixies to show up that's gonna be my <laughs> yeah i mean i mean technically that does give you a chance of never being able to cast wish again so i'd be okay with letting someone do that <laughs> the the real big one i think is it's the only one that really jumps out at me as I, th I think about this spell and I feel a little vein pop in the side of my head <laughs> is Force Cage. Okay, yes, you mentioned it. Yeah, we didn't loop back. Fair, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go on, then. Force Cage, and to a much lesser extent, Wall of Force, is a seventh level spell. You create an immobile, invisible, cube shaped prison uh, that springs into existence for it within 100 feet. It lasts one hour, no concentration. It is impenetrable. Spells can't go through it. Creatures have to make a saving throw to be able to teleport out of it or leave it magically. I think I already said, but it can't be dispelled. 
Mm. It is impossible to just, I believe, uh, anti-magic field will obviously suppress it so you can sort of walk out of it, but can't be dispelled. You have to save to get out of it. You can also choose to make it a literal box that is completely, you, you know, it's a physical sort of shape that you can't get in or out of it. I think mm. it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's invisible. So yeah, it's a, or you can make it a cage with bars yeah. that grant creatures three quarters cover through it. Oh. So what that allows you to do is you drop force cage on the enemy. Mm -hmm. They have no way of getting out of it unless they are so big that you literally can't fit them inside of it. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they have to be bigger than gargantuan. So right. good luck, I guess. <laughs> and they can't get out. Maybe that. Maybe it's like some kind of big dude in armor. Like, you know, if he hits you, he hits you for 70 damage, but he has to get to you first. Well, now yeah. he can't because he's in a force cage. All of your ranged guys just sort of line up in a circle and just ping spells at him until he dies. Mm. Um, I, I had that happen to me, and I, and, I, and I literally just said, "Okay, the fight's over. You, you you don't get to play. If I don't get to play the game now, you don't get to play the game. <laughs> like, you win. You know, you've cast yeah. the spell that wins you the game. You win. Cool. I'm yeah. I'm 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 gonna go make tea now and go to bed. I guess because <laughs> uh, it was like 10 p.m. And I was uh, literally just gotten to like, well, there's probably, you know, 20 minutes of them fighting these two dudes and they yeah. just force cage them. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm done. No, absolutely. That's the right, that's the right call to make. Because otherwise it's just, you're just rolling for the sake of rolling. Like that combat is effectively, they've been routed. It's over. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is for the cost of one seventh level spell slot. You can completely like incapacitate anything. Wall, like Wall of Force does the same thing where you make kind of a 15 foot dome to lock mm. someone in, but it's a physical shape. You can't get in. They can't get out. So, yes, you can do the whole sort of everyone hold your action and shoot the guy when, the, when I drop the wall of force. Same thing with banishment. Mm. And it's really annoying, but they might still live after the fact. They probably yeah. won't, but they might. But because it's a cage, you can shoot in. And, yeah, and they can't really do much out. They might be able to shoot out, and they might be able to do damage. But situationally, it is a one spell, just turn off an encounter. Just, it's, it's over. It's done. It is miserable. It is. It is absolutely miserable. I have. I have. I don't think I have. Like I've never really had people abuse conjure animals or conjure woodland mm. beings at my table. That's because I would have never allowed it. I had. This is. This was in the big campaign that I ran that went all the way up to over twentieth level, and I had someone new join who I didn't know, and they built the divination wizard. Hmm the divination wizard all of the tips all of the tricks i'm gonna i'm gonna send my simulacrum in i'm gonna look in through my homunculus i got two lots of portents now because i only have to see the thing to portent it and i see through my homunculus's eyes i'm gonna scatter them i'm i'm, I'm gonna scatter them into the prism the, the prismatic wall or into yeah. the force cage i'm gonna yeah it was it was miserable. I hated every second of it, and I do not play with that person. <laughs> you got to look after yourself, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we're going to need another session on spells. I underestimated quite oh, how no, much. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I'll say I'm, I'm up for it. It's been good fun. Good awesome. Well, yeah, so all that's left to say is, well, firstly, is there anything you would like to plug or promote? I would say I, I talked about them a little bit earlier on, but just like uh, last month, I put out Gollum and Davinir's pocketbook to Ravenloft. Uh, I have a few other projects in the work works at the moment. I'm currently um, doing some editing and design stuff for the uh, Dritz's travelogue of everything. There's a a, a DM's Guild uh, made uh, compendium of sort of like Tasha's or Xanathar's esque mm -hmm. content. You know, there's a whole bunch of class options. The, the first one came out in June, and we've been we were like quietly you know we we had so many ideas we were like fuck it we're just gonna start on number two before the first one's even done kind of thing <laughs> like still in layout fuck it we're gonna start another one and that's been really good fun they both got a full class in them it's it's a whole thing and i and i i've done an astronomical amount of work on that on, on the second book like mm -hmm. I've, I've and that's that's fingers crossed fingers crossed because i'm nearly done with all the editing it's going to come out next month depending on how long it layout layout takes i'm that's more or less everything. I see, yeah, you can find all my stuff on just a Dice Average RPG, DMs Guild, or I have a card page. You know, they'll they'll mm. they'll be the links and whatnot. Oh yes, absolutely. All the links will be in the description. So, all that's left to say, finally, this time is thank you ever so much, Jack, for joining us today. That's been uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. Um, yeah, and we'll definitely get we'll, we'll definitely think about uh, more spells. Would be the the topic of the next one because I'm sure there's uh, 
plenty more to go on. So I, yes. I should imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, as usual, as mentioned, all the links are in the episode description. So please do go and check all of them out. Otherwise, all that's left to say is thank you all for listening and good night. And now it's time for the Patreon shout-outs. Thank you to Joe from the Fourth Leg podcast. Again, two-time guests of the show. And the Fourth Leg is a TTRPG podcast all about giving new GMs a leg to stand on. Please go and check them out at the Fourth Leg on Twitter. Thank you to Optional Rule, a two-time guest of the show and a very insightful and knowledgeable source of information. Please check them out at www.optionalrule.com. Huge, huge, huge thank you to a great friend of the show, Matthew Perkins, who's out there making hilarious and educational Dungeons & Dragons content. Please go and check out his stuff at matthewperkins.net where you can find links to all of his socials and all of his content, including his own Patreon, which I would very much encourage you to check out. Thank you to Matt Street at MPStreet88 on Twitter for supporting the show. If you need support running your personal or business schedule, head to virtualtimehustle.com or on Instagram to make that difference between should do and done. Boss it better with support from Kat, who will help you get back that essential time you've been searching for. If you would like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash thinkingcritically, or you can just buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thinkingcritically, 